Welcome to Process to Profitability, a podcast all about the tools and strategies you need to serve your clients and grow your small business, hosted by me, Samantha Mabe of Lemon in the Sea. Join me as I chat with creative entrepreneurs and small business owners about how they built and grew their businesses and how you can do the same in a way that fits you. Let's get started. You're listening to episode 136 of Process to Profitability. I'm so thrilled to have Nadia back on the show, this time to talk about preparing to hire in your business. We start by covering how you can know it's the right time to hire and the steps you need to take before bringing someone into your business. Nadia talks about budgeting for future hires and choosing between a contractor and an employee. We also discuss how you can evaluate if an employee is giving you a good return on your investment and the mistakes she sees people make when it comes to finances and hiring. Born, raised, rooted, and rising in Richmond, Virginia, Nadia S. Anderson is a believer, a connector, and a dreamer. A proud graduate of Richmond Community High School and the McIntyre School of Commerce at the University of Virginia, Nadia is an accounting expert, certified public accountant, and certified wedding and event planner with 20 years of experience. She enjoys sharing her smarts, giving practical advice to boost confidence with money matters, and inspiring others to choose a life they love. As a serial entrepreneur, Nadia supports small business owners and nonprofit organizations through the Anderson Accounting Group. She combines creativity with her business experience to delight and inspire clients and guests of Virginia Grace, an event management company that will reopen in 2022. Later this summer, possibly by the time we're launching this episode, she'll launch Lavender Hill, a co-working space that seeks to be an oasis of ease and enjoyment for entrepreneurs. In all her efforts, Nadia seeks to protect her peace and promote the value of rest and play in the rhythm of productivity. She's currently imagining her resources to help you stress less and chase joy and buyblackrichmond.com, an initiative designed to close the racial wealth gap by cultivating black excellence. You can find links to all of Nadia's businesses in the show notes. Please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you found the episode helpful. It helps more people find the show and helps us to bring on more amazing guests. Hi, Nadia. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Samantha. Good morning. I'm so excited to have you back on the show, but it's been a while. So could you give everybody uh, an update about who you are and what you've been doing in your business? Sure. I am Nadia Anderson. I am by education and experience an accountant. So I have a small accounting practice. Um, I'm also an event planner. That business has been a bit sleepy for the last year and a half for obvious reasons, but um, it's coming back up online pretty soon. And um, right now, I guess I will also say that I am a commercial property owner. I closed on a space on June 1st. And so that's where I'm recording from today. And my intent is that this building will be my headquarters and house all my bright ideas and that I will be able to rent the space to folks for events um, outdoors. And then I'll also invite other entrepreneurs here to join me. So I guess you could say I'm some sort of multi-passionate, multi-hyphenate entrepreneur, world takeover kind of person. All right. So today we're talking about preparing to hire in your business. And I know you recently hired uh, somebody. So do you want to share a little bit about kind of how you knew it was the right time to do that and how people might know that for their own business? 
Yeah, so um, I always encourage people to think about like, what are the bottlenecks in your business and what is stopping you from like growing or moving to the next level? And whenever I recognize that I am that bottleneck and that I'm standing in my own way, that's probably a signal that I need to hire someone. So um, it could be because the business is growing at a pace faster than I'm able to do the work. And of course, there is um, obviously the option to say no, to slow things down and turn people away. Um, but if you're not into that and you want to lean into the growth, then um, hiring someone or bringing someone else on your team will allow you to um, just fit with the work as it's naturally flowing. I think another uh, key sign that it's time to hire somebody is if the business is growing in a way that is outside of your expertise. So there's a lot of things that I'm good at, but there's a lot of things that I'm not so good at or that I'm not keen on learning how to do. And so it's been in those moments when those things are taken over like more of the business or when those things require more time and attention than I'm able to give them, that's a signal to me that, oh, well, maybe somebody else should be doing this. I shouldn't be doing it. So um, those are kind of two key points that I would share in terms of when is it time to bring somebody else on your team? Yeah. So if somebody is doing their first hire, do you have any tips for like who that might be or how, who you found to be the most helpful as like the first person you bring on in a business? Um, that's a good question. And I don't know that there's a one size fits all answer. I think it kind of depends on what your business is and what um, your industry is, but then also what your goals are. Um, if I am recalling and so we'll talk a little bit about like the difference between like when you're hiring people what's an employee and what's an independent contractor but I certainly hired or asked independent contractors to help me in my business first and I'm trying to think about who was the very first person that I paid to do something within the business and I'm pretty sure it was somebody to help me with like marketing things um, because that is outside of my realm. So like within the business, um, and I guess the first business that I was working in uh, full time was the event management business. And so within the business, like I'm all about events and getting into the details and like planning things, but trying to spread the word and let people know that I was out there, like that wasn't something that I had to do before. And that um, I think was my first hire. That might not be true um, for everyone, but my first hire was someone to help me just spread the message about my business. Yeah. I think that can be a good one. I know my first uh, contractor that I hired was somebody to take some stuff on my plate, off my plate. So it was a podcast editor to mm -hmm. save me a lot of time. And she's much better at doing what she does than I was. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's helpful to kind of look at what you need to let go of and what you might not be an expert at. Mm hmm. All right. So if we're thinking about hiring somebody, whether it's a first person or adding somebody else to our team, what steps do we need to take before we even get to like the putting the job out there stage? So I think before you can even put the job out there, you need to know what the job is. So like, what are the specific duties that you want to assign to someone? And I just kind of start with a bulleted list or maybe even scribbles on the back of an envelope that are like, these are the things that 
Um, I'm not good at. These are the things that are not happening at all. These are the things that I would really look for someone with expertise in this area to help me with. Um, and so then sort of like taking that list and organizing them, because maybe some of those things like that you need help with all fit together. And maybe they fit nicely in one role, um, but maybe they don't, like maybe they fall into different buckets. So I think just start with a list of what the tasks are and then maybe do some research to find out like who would take on such tasks. And um, if that leads you to a particular job description or job title, then um, I think a little bit more research around what other skills like might uh, encourage someone to do these tasks or might um, have someone who is good at those things. Like what are the skills and things that you're looking for? Um, but then also to find out what, it, what does the market pay people to do those things? So um, a lot of times or specifically before this, so the last person that I hired um, was an administrative assistant and I've titled the position executive uh, administrative assistant. So then I went looking for jobs in Richmond that were for executive administrative assistants to see, do the tasks that I have laid out align with that title? And if so, like what is the market paying for these mm -hmm. types of people, like, and for these skills? So um, like acting as if I was looking for a job was kind of what helped me to formulate the job that I put out for someone to fill. That makes sense. Did you find that you had to make tweaks in kind of what skills you were looking for or change the title based on your research? So um, I am very specific um, and I have specific ideas about a lot of <laughs> things. Um, and actually, um, this year, this is the first time that I've hired um, also. So as a contractor, I hired someone to help me like with the HR like for my business. So to even screen applicants and to look at the job description before I put it out there and to say, is this reasonable? So in working with that HR consultant, um, before I hired the executive administrative assistant, which she started in late June, and she's starting very part-time. She will be full-time um, beginning August 16th. So we can talk more about that too, like how to scale into um, a position. But before I hired that person, I also hired um, a staff accountant. And I brought on the HR consultant to help me hire the staff accountant. And I had very specific, basically, I wanted their background to match mine. So I said, you know, not only like a college degree, but someone who is, um, if they're, so someone who seeks to be a CPA, like isn't a CPA yet, but they've taken like the courses to be a CPA and someone who has worked in public accounting. So basically I read back my resume and said, here's what I'm <laughs> looking for. And the HR consultant was like, that's very specific and you're narrowing the pool. Like are all these things required for the position that you are trying to fill and she's like mm, I don't think they are like I think you should adjust <laughs> a few of these things so um not necessarily because of the research um but I think what I put out for that job specifically was a bit more advanced than what the position called for and the HR consultant was helpful in pointing that out yeah I love yeah. that you hired people to help you hire people <laughs> 
because this is not like my first time hiring and I recognize what a time commitment it is. So like another thing to do before you hire someone is to consider, do you even have the time to hire someone? Like there's screening, like there's preparing the job application and then putting it on all these platforms so that people can find it. But then you have to figure out what is your communication strategy? Like, are you going to call all these people back? Do you send them a canned email? Like, how are you going to let them know what's happening next? And then um, preparing for interviews and telling people whether they're going to have an interview or not. And then once you've selected someone, like there's training or like, and maybe training is too formal of a word for me, like it has been brain dump, right? Because I was the one doing all these things. And so that takes time too to unload and unpack all of the things that are in your brain that you've been doing and to trust someone enough to hand them over. And all of those things take time. And just where I am um, in business right now, like the screening piece. that was just too much of a time taker. So I worked with the HR consultant to come up with, um, you know, a way to wade through the people who applied. And then the HR consultant contacted people to say you're moving forward or you're not. And then she only presented me with people who met the criteria that we had come up with. So now like the time that I'm investing is significantly less. Yeah, I think that is probably super helpful you know, thinking about all the people that apply for jobs like this, that it can be a full-time job and it is to figure out like, who do we bring in for an interview? How does that all work? And then, you know, getting them set up for success because you don't want to hire the wrong person just because you're speeding through it. Yeah. And um, especially like in the environment that we're in now, um, I think uh, having this time, Uh, during the pandemic to be at home and like reconsider what is important to us that has forced a lot of people so like some people lost their jobs right because the business shut down or like restaurants weren't open and so we couldn't go there Um, but then some people chose to leave their jobs because what they were doing like wasn't fulfilling it wasn't important to them anymore and so right now there's a lot of people on the job market who maybe are um, making a pivot or maybe are returning to work after a lot of time like off from work. So what I found is that I got a lot of applicants. And so um, some of them were qualified like for the position. Some of them were not at all. Some people are just throwing darts like I need a job. And so, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, in this environment right now, it's really important to like know what are the criteria that are important to you and what makes for a good fit on your team. Um, one of the things that I think about is that I think I always look for people who are flexible and open and trainable because there's skills that we can teach. But like character is something that I try to interview for or find out. Um, That's not something that is teachable, but it's something that um, is very important. And oftentimes to me, more important than a skill set. Like I can teach you how to use this particular computer program or something like that, but I'm not necessarily interested in teaching adults to be, um, you know, honest and someone who shows up (laughs) on time and someone who has integrity. Like those are things that I'm looking for that I'm not willing to teach. Right. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned that you had a CPA help you too. So how did you budget planning to hire in the future? How can people financially prepare for this? 
Yeah. So um, when we're talking about hiring, I think it's important to consider the entire cost. So a little bit earlier, I talked about doing research to find out like how much will this person get paid? But if you're hiring someone and bringing them on your team as an employee, then on top of what you're paying them, there's also um, employer taxes that you have to pay. So just as a general rule, and I don't know where all your listeners are, we are in the state of Virginia. So um, there's some taxes that are specific to where you are, but like for employer payroll taxes federally, and maybe this is way too technical because I am an accountant, but (laughs) um, federal payroll taxes are um, that the employer is responsible for is 7.65%. So like whatever the person's salary is, tack on another, let's say 8%, like just for a round number. And that's easy to remember. But then within the state that you're in, There's also um, here in Virginia, there's state unemployment tax. And so if your state participates in the unemployment pool, that's an additional tax that the employer has to pay. And so here in Virginia, um, the the starting range is like two and a half percent. It kind of depends on how many people you have had in the past who have filed an unemployment claim Mm -hmm. that sends the employer's rate up. But anyway, if we take that eight percent and then add another two percent on average, Um, add 10% on top of what you're paying the person. So for every dollar that you're paying them, then figure a dollar and 10 cents is what the cost is going to be. Also think about like in terms of costs, think about like, are there any benefits that you want to offer? Things that make it more attractive, like for this person to work there or just to care for your people. So like in considering those costs, um, I would say look at, what if any extra money you have in your business? Like, is there money that's accumulating in your uh, business bank account that you're not paying to yourself or someone else that's just sort of accumulating and figure out like what that amount is to see how much extra you have. Um, And if you do not have extra, then reverse engineer it. If you take um, whatever the salary is, plus say 10%, um, for those taxes, plus say another two or 3% for whatever benefits you might throw in to sweeten the pot, then figure out, okay, well, if I want to hire this person, it's going to cost me, I don't know, 20,000 extra dollars, um, a year. And so then figure out how do I go about making that extra $20,000 and know that you don't have to have all that money up front before you hire the person, (laughs) right? So like break the $20,000 down into like, how much is it per month? I'm going to change my number. And instead of 20, it's $24,000. And so then say over the course of a year, then that is $2,000 a month. So what can I do to earn an extra $2,000 a month to be able to pay for this person? And something else that I did, like when I hired my very first um, full-time employee, and I'm using this strategy again with who is now my third um, full-time hire. When I hired the first person who was, and this person, like back to job description, they were um, a part-time bookkeeper and part-time administrative assistant because I didn't have enough of those tasks to fill up a whole job for, you know, each person. So I sort of mushed those things together and looked for someone who had skills um, and who wanted to do both of those things. But when I hired that person, I think she started initially with like 16 hours a week. 
um, which was manageable for her to keep her other job that she had that she knew she wanted to leave, but she wanted to create a bit of runway. So we started with 16 hours a week and then we moved up maybe after like a month to 20 hours a week. And then we moved up again to like 24 hours a week. And I think at the 24 hours, maybe it wasn't at 24, maybe it was by the time she hit 30, then she said, okay, I can let go of the other job that I have. Like, this is enough for me to sustain what I want to do. And then she went from 30 to 40. And so, and that was over maybe like a six or eight month time frame. So in terms of budgeting, I planned for the 16 hours first because I said, okay, I can reasonably pay someone like for this time. And so we focused on very specific tasks and the tasks that we focused on were the things that I knew would bring more money into Mm. my business. And so by me giving away, like taking 16 hours off of my plate and putting it onto someone else's plate, then I was able to generate income with that. And so that income, I could then say, okay, well now I can afford to pay you for 20 hours a week. That might be complicated to me. Um, <laughs> a lot of math, a lot of movement. And again, like it takes a special individual to want to grow into a position and grow with you. But um, that was something that I was very clear about and upfront about like in the hiring process. Like I want this to be full time. If we're a good fit, I want us to grow and work together. Are you open to that? So like just putting everything out there like in the hiring. Yeah, I was going to ask about like, when you're scaling, did you plan for that up front and make sure the person was okay with it? Or was that something that you guys came to because of her needs in her work? Yeah, um, it was something that I knew that I wanted. And so it was something that I that we talked through in the beginning. Um, and I think as um, someone who is running and managing a business, like I think it's really important to be transparent, like with the people who are joining your team. Like if you think that this is just a temporary thing, like I just need somebody for this season, then say that up front. If you think, oh, this is part time and it will never grow beyond that as far as I can see, then say that too. Like allow people to participate in the process with you because I believe that um, it makes them happier. It makes you have a better experience and you find people um, who will fit with what the role is and what the business needs as opposed to withholding information. And so for the flip side of that too, like if there are folks who are listening who um, maybe still hold a full-time job, right? Like let the employer know what you need and what you're looking for. It is so much uh, less costly to keep someone than to lose someone who's valuable and then start all over from Mm -hmm. scratch. And so don't assume that um, as the employer, don't assume that people won't be open to whatever it is that you have in mind. But as the employee, don't assume that your employer is going to say no. Like maybe some things are not possible right now, but that's a conversation that, that you all can have. Yeah. When was the last time you checked to make sure your website was healthy? The only way to know if your website is serving your business and working correctly is to make maintenance a regular part of your to-do list. I've created a maintenance guide at lemonandthesea.com maintenance that will help you get a picture of how your website is performing, what's working and what isn't, 
and the things you can work on improving so that you can continue to show off your expertise and bring in more dream clients. Inside, you'll learn why website maintenance isn't something to put off until next week, 15 tasks you should be doing on a regular basis to maintain your website, and the tasks you need to do weekly, monthly, quarterly, and yearly. Get the guide at lemonandthesea.com maintenance. So how did you know, or do you have any tips for people who are trying to figure out like, is this a full-time position? Is this a part-time to full-time position? Like if we're trying to figure that out in our business so that we can hire that way, how do we know those things? So um, again, like my background is that um, I started my career in public accounting and I was responsible for tracking my time in 15 minute increments. And so that skill followed me, I'm going to say until maybe like three years ago, I just let it go. And so I've been a full-time like entrepreneur for six years. Like, and so while working for everyone else, even when it wasn't required. And then when I started working for myself, I kept detailed notes of what I was doing. Maybe you're not as detailed as I am, Um, but have some sort of idea of the things that you're asking someone to do, how long does it take you? And then maybe you dial that time estimate up or down, right? Because if it's something that's not really your skill set, then maybe somebody else can do it in half the time. Like, what do you think? Or if it's something that's very specific to your business and because you know your business, you're able to do it quickly, maybe you need to turn that up and double the time because someone else who doesn't know your business as well, like needs more time. So I think Mm kind of start with what is the task? How long does it take you? Um, If it's something that you're able to observe in other people, then finding out how long does it take them to do it? And that will help sort of point you in the right direction of, okay, well, I have this many hours of work per week or per month or per project or whatever your measurement scale is. Yeah. All right. So you've mentioned you have hired contractors and employees. So can we talk about the difference between the two and how somebody might decide which is the right fit for the position that they are looking to fill? Right. So um, oftentimes uh, people choose whether to hire someone as an employee or an independent contractor as a matter of ease, like which one has less administrative burden or as a matter of cost, like I don't want to pay payroll taxes. So all my people are going to be independent contractors. That might not be exactly right. (laughs) There's actually um, the IRS like lays out descriptions that help you to decide whether you should classify someone as an independent contractor or an employee. And those Uh, qualifiers or characteristics of that job really focus around behavioral control, managerial control, and financial control. So when I say behavioral control, like who decides what the person is doing from day to day? Who sets the schedule? Who sets the hours? Can they come and go as they please? Can they do it in the middle of the night? managerial control, like can the person make decisions on their own or does everything have to run by you? Um, Is there a specific way that you want things to be done? And so you give them a 10 point checklist and they have to do things this way or are they able to come up with those things themselves? And then as we talk about financial control, it's like who sets the rate? Um, How frequently do they get paid? Like did they come to you and say, this is what I charge or did you say, 
this is how much I'm paying for this thing. And so there used to be um, like this 20 step like test that the IRS has. And so <laughs> they're moving away like from those steps specifically. There's been a lot of conversation about this recently. When I say recently, probably within the last um, three years, there was a big like ruling that was passed um, in California. And then in Virginia, we're in 2021 now, I think it was July of 2019 here in Virginia, where basically the state says, you are assumed to be an employee unless the employer can prove that you are an independent contractor. And how do you prove that? Like, is there a contract in place? How does the person fit within these questions of financial control, managerial control, behavioral control? And so um, I would encourage folks to look into um, those things, like when making the decision before hiring to try to see where does someone fall? And um, I'll share, I guess, uh, with you, Samantha, so that maybe you can get it out to your audience. But there is, um, I created a resource that's just sort of a true false question thing. And so ask yourself these questions about the role that you're hiring for and sort of check the box and then add up all the truths or falses and see um, if the person leans more towards being an independent contractor or being an employee. So I can share that with you all. Yeah, that'd be great. So once we kind of figured out like who we need to hire, which kind of like is contractor employee, and we have a budget for it, we've got people ready to interview. Do you have any interview tips that you found to be helpful? I like to ask behavioral questions in an interview. So open-ended things. I always start um, interviews with a lightning round of questions (laughs) to learn like more about the person. And it's simple things like, you know, dogs or cats, coffee or tea, like sort of breaking the ice, like to let people be um, a little bit less nervous. But then when I talk about um, behavioral questions and I'm talking about questions that might be a scenario. So one question that I always ask on every interview is about a typical day. And I lay out what a typical day is. And basically in this typical day, everything is on fire and nothing (laughs) is going right. And then I say, okay, what would you do on a day like this? (laughs) So like trying to give someone a glimpse into, and it's not really a typical day, right? But it's like worst case scenario, what is happening when I am trying to focus on all these different things and I have a construction project and, you know, an accounting report that's due and, you know, a bride who's freaking out, like, this is my real life. Like all these Mm -hmm. things are happening. And then I say, what would you do? And that helps to sort of figure out, like, I don't know, do we approach problem solving the same way? Could we work through problems together? Like I'm looking for those types of things. I also ask questions about, I think I ask questions that are stressful, right? Because I think when everything is going right at work, like it's easy to get things done and to get along, but I want to know what what happens when when things are not so easy and how will we work together then? So um, my interview questions tend to focus on that. I mean, I feel like I can learn Um, a bit about you by looking at your resume or your past employment experience in terms of tools you've used um, and that sort of thing. So I don't really ask a lot of questions around that. I want to know how we are going to fit. So I try to find um, things that'll tell me more about like personality. 
Yeah. I'd love to know if you have found, because so many of our businesses are personal and it's like, you might be hiring your very first employee to come in. Do you find that that's a harder thing to do than if it's for a corporation? Are people prepared to work in that sort of a business or does it surprise them? So, um, again, like I'm all about full transparency and in this last round of hiring, like, so before people got to me for an interview, the HR um, consultant did a screening. And one of the screening questions was, this is a small company, which means you are working like with the owner directly. Have you ever worked in such an environment? Is that something you think you would enjoy? Do you think that would be problematic? How do you feel about being on a small team? And like, there is no depth. So one thing, like when I was working in um, corporate America or like in previous jobs, the last job that I had, I supervised people who supervised people who supervised (laughs) people. And so I went from this team, you know, environment, like I had peers who were um, also in management, but then I had like, there was depth, right? Like here, there's one person doing all the things. And so maybe we're going to now have two people doing all the things. (laughs) Like there isn't any of that. How do you feel about that? Like, I think that's something to share with people. And so some people don't want to work in that environment and it's okay. (laughs) Like say that. Um, But I I ask questions around that too, because we're going to work closely together. Like, are you okay with working closely with the boss? And also how do you take feedback? That's a question that I ask. Like, and how do you learn? What's your learning style? Do you want me sitting beside you and telling you the things? Do you want to read about it and then figure it out? Like, I need to know those things to know um, how well we're going to work together because we are going to be in such close contact. So, um, yeah. And I will say, like, the other side of that question is um, I've had two people quit. And it hurt my feelings. (laughs) Like I took it very personally, like you're breaking up with me and I trusted you and you're breaking up with me. Um, I'm sharing this with you. I didn't share that um, with either of those people. Um, So it requires a little bit of, I don't know, delicacy or maybe even just like having a thick skin on both sides, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're working so closely together. It's not just required of the um, employee. Like I I needed to toughen up a bit. Like it's it's not personal. It's not about me. Like it is business. And they had to do what was best for their family or for whatever it is that they wanted. But um, I was still hurt. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I imagine that if you're looking at like a contractor, an employee, you know, there are differences in what they do, but in a lot of cases, a contractor's probably worked with this type of business before because they might be that type of business. Mm-hmm. And so an employee is somebody you might have to really explain, okay, we're sitting at two desks next to each other and it's just the two of us all day long. And my toddler's running around and my dog is at my feet and <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a different environment. Um, it's a different environment. And, um, it's scary, like for a lot of people, right? Like, I feel like my relationship with independent contractors is the independent contractor is more, we're more alike, because they are running their own business. And so, you know, there's conversation points that we can have around that. I think, um, as an employee, 
it's just different. <laughs> and the <laughs> relatability um, is just different, right? Because perhaps that person is not used to making as many like decisions that are future focused, right? They're just focused on like what the work is right now and not trying to, um, I don't know, like I'm trying to figure out like how do I keep this whole thing afloat? Like the very first employee that I had, like contractors, I knew how to end the relationship. Mm -hmm. I knew what the terms of the contract were, right? But um, when I hired my first employee, it was terrifying because I'm like, there's another whole human who is relying <laughs> on me to keep this thing going. Like, it's not just me anymore. Right. Um, and so I don't know. I've heard it said um, that you should be slow to hire and quick to fire. So like slow in the consideration of who it is and making sure that it's a right fit, but also that you are ready and your business is ready like to take on. Um, the responsibility, but like quick to fire in that if it's not a good fit and it's not going well, and you know, it's not going to get any better, like save everybody a lot of time and heartache and like get out of it quickly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So once we've hired somebody, how do we make sure that they're worth the investment that we've, we're putting in? We're putting in a lot of money and, and time into training them. So how do we make sure we're really getting that return on investment? Um, that's kind of a tough question. And I think, I guess, time <laughs> reveals whether or not um, they're worth it. But I do think, um, so like as a part of my process, there's this job description that's really detailed, right? Um, but I have an evaluation like process that is based on the job description. And so I put the description out there, like, you know what you're applying. Okay, now you're hired. But once you're hired, we sit down and talk through, like, what are the pieces of this job that are energizing to you? What are the things that you want to learn more about? What are the things that you think you don't really know so much about, but we want to focus on those? And so that's a conversation that we have up front. What are your goals? Like, is it your intent to remain in this position indefinitely? Do you see yourself here in you know two to five years? Do you want to ultimately own your own business? Like, what do you want to do and where are you trying to go? And in terms of like, is the investment worth it? I think if it's a conversation and you are relationship focused, then people will share with you like what it is that they need um, to be successful in this role. And then I guess, ultimately to be successful even when they've left you. And so that makes it easier to invest. And so I have those conversations um, with folks and try to lay out um, and also try to be intentional about building in time to check in on those things. Like, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Is this too much? Like, what is the pace? Um, so like there's formal times of feedback, um, but there's also like informal feedback that I'm trying to get and encouraging. And so I'm hopeful that that encourages like the folks who are on my team, like to share with me. And then we can like work together to find out like, what are the things we need to invest? Because if you don't want to be a tax professional, I'm not sending you to tax class, you know, like I'm going to be frustrated and you're going to be frustrated <laughs> and, you know, we're all going to be out of some money. So let's like avoid those things. Yeah. 
how long do you find it really takes to like have somebody get into their position where you can be hands off and you know, okay, this is working now. (laughs) It's, it's hard. It takes, it takes a while. Like it depends on again, like what the role is and what the position is. Um, But I think, I think it takes you like 90 days to figure out, do you even want to be here? Like you thought you did, (laughs) but you know, do you still want to come back? So um, there's that. And then um, I think you need to go through like, I'm pausing as I think about this, but like the businesses that I own are cyclical. So like certain things happen at certain times of the year. And I think you have to go through like at least a year to have one full cycle of you've seen everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And so again, I mean, I think it takes at least 90 days for us to get to know each other and touch everything to see like how we're working together. But then I think it takes like a year to go through all of the things that happen within the business to know like if there is any opportunity for um, efficiency or some kind of like improvement or to change things. And then like probably when you're headed into the second cycle, then I know you've seen everything. I know we've sort of talked through things and I can, I guess, relax a little bit more. (laughs) Um, And so I haven't, again, like I'm fairly young in business, like full-time entrepreneurship for six years, but in terms of um, hiring like full-time employees, I'm about two years in. So the cycle that I just described to you, I haven't gotten there yet, right? I'm not so relaxed. Like I am very involved still um, because you know, the business has changed. And then we won't even talk about like over the last like, year and a half what has happened, but um, all of that plays in. So I'm not yet at the place where I'm completely like hands off trusting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So what mistakes do you see people make when it comes to hiring for their business? I do think like one of the biggest ones is that incorrect classification. So like you're hiring and everybody is an independent contractor and that that's a mistake that I see a lot and um, encourage accounting clients of mine, like specifically, okay, you know, we need to get in compliance because this is not uh, what it should be. Um, I think another uh, mistake that people make, again, is just not being like, I'm really relationship driven. So like not being relationship focused, I have um, encountered other entrepreneurs who I would describe as just not being kind to their teammates. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that, you know, I'm I'm thinking of the wedding world specifically and um, high pressure situations and, you know, tensions are high. And so, um, I don't know. There's just a communication barrier that I've seen. And I'm thinking it's really important to me, like, even if we're not going to work together anymore, but to maintain relationship, definitely like saying things that need to be said and being direct in communication, but, but also like being direct and handling people like with care um, and kindness. Uh, I 
have witnessed and I've been on teams in the past where that was not an objective or a focus. And I think um, that that's a grave mistake because I think the business will only grow so far when you're treating people poorly and it bleeds out, like not just to um, the folks who are on your team, but like customers like feel it and don't return and, and that sort of thing. So I think those are two things that come to the top of my mind in terms of mistakes. Yeah. I love the, the point about being kind to your employees. I think I've been in business, I've worked with people that that was not the case. And I've seen people that that's not how they treat their employees. And I think it makes a big difference in how your business grows, how it runs, the client experience people get. So it does matter a lot. Yeah. All right. So I always wrap up with one question. If you could recommend one thing to a friend, what would that be? Uh, uh, My recommendation is to live life now. Um, I think um, we as a society, like, are very future focused and like we're waiting for when this things happens then i will um but i recommend like living life now because we don't know what's going to happen in the future um and the future is not even promised to us so like do all the things we were having a conversation before we started recording about doing all the things yeah i'm doing all the things while i can live life now that would be my recommendation yeah. All right. So where can people find you and connect with you online? So um, I have, I guess, active Instagram uh, under the handle Nadia the CPA. So they are sharing um, tips about uh, managing your business and your business financing. So you can follow me there. There's a lot of resources that are available on my website, which is NadiaAndersonCPA.com. A couple of other uh, Instagram handles for my other brands and businesses. So the event management company is Virginia Grace, but the Instagram handle is VA Grace Events. And um, this new space that I just purchased uh, that has not yet launched, you can see some of the behind the scenes stuff there. Um, and that's on Instagram as Experience Lavender Hill. I've named the building Lavender Hill. So. Those are the places to find me. Awesome. We will link to all of that in the show notes so people can check it out. Um, And then we'll also link to that questionnaire that you have. um, So everybody can get some help, get some resources and figure out what their next steps are for their business. Thanks for listening to Process to Profitability. Please take a minute to leave an honest review in iTunes so that I can help more small business owners and creative entrepreneurs find the show.